never addressed the claim that people have that aren't there very great people that oppose Hasidus. And in response, we learned about how there were many great people who thought that Hashem had a body. And although it wasn't considered heretical at one time because people didn't see how this, um, how this false belief, this erroneous mistake, this erroneous perspective, directly uh, is against the belief in God's oneness and realize that, they weren't considered heretical. But once Maimonides already clarified that this is um, heresy... Yeah, when they were talking about Mamish a physical body... Yeah, yeah, eyes of God, ears of God, yeah. So yeah, I can see where people can make that deception. Many times it says they used to talk, they used to saw... The eyes of God, the legs of God. Yeah, so it's, 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 it could lead to that mistake. So since it's been clarified by the Rambam that it's now it's obvious that it's according to Maimonides' explanation that it is heresy, so in a similar way... Um, once it's been clarified and it's been, been expressed how how um, Hasidus is a part of Torah and uh, denying Hasidus is is equal to denying a verse in the Torah and um, and the, although there are those who oppose Hasidus but there says there are big rachmanas in them it's, 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 it's an equal to what the Mishnah says so people never saw light in their life and therefore everyone who has um who does ha- have light in their life, who has experienced the warmth and light of the teachings of Chassidus, has an obligation to share these teachings with those who have never experienced them. So in continuation of this subject, um, next section of Fabrengen, uh, is we're missing the first part of the, part of the Sikha, um, but we have the following... This is Yesu Gimel. This is Yesu Gimel, right. So... It, it seems like they were speaking about the verse, God redeem my soul in peace, that without a war, that there should be a victory in peace without a war. Um, but nevertheless, if, there's, if there is something, um, a, a war means that, there, that there's two sides, that there's a back and forth, that there's a conversation. Um, so, so that you have to, have to battle and discuss it and, and, and to prove the point. So, Hashem should bless us that we shouldn't have to have such a war. But if there is, if someone has this confusion, it needs to be, it needs to be addressed. You have no choice. You have to deal with this opposition and, and, and give the person who has uh, these questions and this, and this resistance, you have to help them. Okay, so we should add the following. There are still those, Baruch Hashem, they're not as many, they're getting smaller and smaller, but there are still those that when you talk to them about Chassidus, they claim that... Uh, the, the way they, the way Chassidus should be approached is let the light spread out the way it does, meaning everyone has their own path. They say every group of people has to go to the light of their gadolim, their leaders, and the ones that they accepted as their halachic authority. And automatically, without going into the conversation which is greater than the other, without asking who is the greatest Torah giant, uh, just like um, here, in Chabad, we follow the opinion and the perspective of the Alter Rebbe. So in the very same measure, they must, they are, they are bound, whether they understand it or not, to obey those who they accept upon themselves as their post. And that's their, their, their issue. And since there is plenty of implants, since there's this individual, they accept it as their halachic authority. And he, at the time of the Alter Rebbe, he... Um, made a psak din, he made a halachic ruling, 
when she writes that Hasidus is only relevant to those who are great tzaddikim, only those who are tzaddikim can learn it. And he made a decree that you're not allowed to learn Hasidus. So they're not allowed to accept anymore the, the perspective of Hasidus. And the answer to this is also addressed from the revealed parts of Torah, as we shall see. Ah, Yonder of Shmuel. Okay. There's a we're in Oisudalit. There's a rule that when the Rabbanan, when the Chachamim, they make a decree, although it was established because of a reason, although all the decrees of the Chachamim were established because of the reason, because the, when the Chachamim makes a decree, it's because of a reason. Nevertheless, there are we're on line twenty in, in on page nine. However, there are decrees that the Chachamim told us the reason. And are decrees in which they did not tell us the reason. And the reason they didn't tell us the reason was because, I mean, why not um, tell us the reason? The Chachamim um, only make a decree if people can handle it. There's a rule, You cannot make a decree upon the Jewish people unless most people can handle it. So if we're talking about a decree that most people can handle, and there's a reason for the decree, so why didn't they tell us the reason? Because the reason they didn't tell us the decree was because if they would tell us the reason for the decree, so then once the reason would go away, the decree would go away. And therefore, they did not tell us the reason in order to ensure that the decree should continue even if there's no decree, even if the reason stops. Like uh, the Rebbe once said, the uh, Mitzvah once said about Rukiv Eger. Rukiv Eger says, you're not allowed to have on Pesach Mashke. Brandy made out of plum or other things. So, and he says, because because of a hidden reason. So, the Machsadik said, if you would have told us the reason, we could have a discussion. He says, a hidden reason, you can't discuss, you can't discuss it. In a similar way, when, when if. Yeah, one says, come, it's just another question. We were arguing about it, not let alone what the question is. Yes. After about 15 minutes of me going back and forth, it's because I said so. so. <laughs> right. So. So if there is a gzera, if there is a decree where the reason is is shared, so then in that instance, once the reason goes away, the decree goes away. And if the decree was made upon because of a certain reason, and the reason went away after a little while, um, and, and, and in other words, let, let's say there was a decree, and the reason had validity for a certain time, and then the reason went away. So then in that instance... There's room to say that you can still keep the decree, still keep it as a custom. It's not a decree anymore. It's not, a, it's not a rule, but you still as a custom because it had validity for a while. However, if there's a situation where it has become exposed that there was never a reason for the decree in the first place because it was based upon false testimony, so then the, the decree never had any validity because it was always a mistake. And so, too, regarding what we're talking about, Eistesvav, line, line thirty-two, on the bottom of page nine. Starting with the time of the Baal Shem Tev. Just to recap, whatever is addressing people who think that what their problem is, that they think is, I have you, have your G'daylam, we have our G'daylam. Our G'daylam are against Chassidus. I'm not saying he's better than your G'daylam, your your leader is better than our leader, but don't we have to follow our leaders? Don't we have to obey what they're saying? That's that's what what they're saying. They're against Chassidus, so therefore I shouldn't study it. There's a decree that was made against Chassidus. Our leader at that time 
he made a decree against Chassidus. Aren't I obligated to follow that just because of the, this, this rule? And Rebbe begins the discussion by saying there are certain rules that are based upon i.e. reason, and when the Chachamim say the reason, so then once that reason is, is over, the decree is over, and you could keep that anyways as a custom, but if it's become apparent that the reason never was a valid reason, it was based upon false testimony, then the whole decree never was a decree. It was never, never really a rule of Torah. So two regarding what we're talking about. Starting, is it a decree for good thing or bad thing? A decree against one Chassidus. Oh, okay. Starting with the time of Baal Shem Tev, Chassidim claimed with absolute sincerity and simply that Chassidus is a path that, that goes up to the house of God. This is a path to rectify the world and to reveal Hashem's presence in this world as it will be revealed perfectly, practically when Mashiach will come. And then when these people came, who called themselves those who opposed Hasidus, that they were afraid from this path, they were afraid from their way of learning, they were afraid from their way of praying, and they made a decree that you, that you can't go on that path. So they could have made this decree in two ways. Those who opposed Hasidus, the Misnagdim, they could have made this decree in two ways. They could have made it in a way that they didn't say the reason, that should stay quiet, and they're not telling the reason. Or they could have announced the decree together with the reason. And by divine providence, we see over here, divine providence, that when they announced the decree against learning Chassidus, against the paths of Chassidus, they immediately publicized. This is the reason for the decree. That means they, they, also, they also explained how the decree isn't valid while they, while they made the decree. Because they said there's a reason for it, which it wasn't a valid reason. What's the, what was their reason? The reason was because a path of Chassidus can cause negative results including Shalom, totally separating yourself from Torah mitzvahs. So accordingly, the halachic ruling of the revealed part, of the exoteric parts of Torah, that when the reason is gone, and especially not just reason has become gone, but the reason never was a reason, the decree is nullified and has no existence whatsoever. Today, after 150, 200 years, since this is around, they were saying this in 1952, 1951, after we see that clearly that the teachings of Chassidus, the paths of Chassidus, the customs of Chassidus bring a person to have an additional power in serving God, in learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, not only is there no reason, no validity for this decree today, but more, it has been revealed retroactively that at the begin with there's no room for such a decree. So automatically it's it is nullified from its very inception. Because it was made by a mistake, because of false testimony. As all the, uh, uh, it was basically Macharchayri. Those people who sought to make an argument, um, and the main person who who sought this argument was the Samachmem. Samachmem means the Satan. That since the Yitzhar the Satan, he wanted there to be an argument. That's where it started. So he couldn't stand the Samachmem, the Yitzhar. couldn't stand the, the revelation of Siddhis, and that's where all this confusion. And therefore, there's no room to say, to claim. Not a not everybody has their way. There's no room, that, that's not a claim. Why? When someone, when someone says, listen, I don't want to um, decide who is the greatest Qadr who is the greatest uh, Tzaddik, um, but since this guy, I accepted him as my post and he's against Chassidus, so I have to go in his ways, you have to know, this guy has to know, who the, he's saying, I have to follow this guy's ways because I took him as my, he's, this rabbi is, is my personal post 
um, you have to know the Rebbe says that that person said the reason for his decree. And since his reason was absolutely uh, not true, so automatically the decree isn't true either. And we could, we could possibly say, this, this is the explanation of what the previous Rebbe writes in one of his talks. He said that those people in their time who didn't agree to the teachings of Chassidus, now when they are in the world of truth, and they recognize the absolute truth. They're very, they regret it. And they're very in pain when someone in this world mentions them as someone who opposes sins because they're in the world of truth right now. So they could see the truth. So not only does, if someone like says, oh, I have to follow what they say, but even someone just mentions, oh, this person opposes sins, since they're in the world of truth, they know the truth, they know that this isn't a bad thing. They know that this is something which is vital. So they don't want people to, to attribute them to this opposition because now it's, been, it's been, been exposed that there was no room for opposition, there's no room for, the, for, for uh, to go against this, I had this, this situation this year. This guy told me, listen, how could I go to the Fabrengen when my rabbi is a certain person who was known for his opposition to Chassidus? He passed away. So I promise you right now he has no opposition. He's in the world of truth. This guy says, huh? The rabbi has no opposition. One of you think this might. Anyway, we'll come out from all this as, as follows. Since there is a clear, we're on line 30, and uh, no, no. Since it's, it's become absolutely clear, after 150, 200 years since the existence of Chassidus, that the study of Chassidus, that acting in the ways of Chassidus, adds power to your service of God, adds power to your study of Torah and doing mitzvahs. And not only. Learning Torah and doing mitzvahs are just details in serving God. The goal and the purpose of all of the details of serving God Hashem is in, in the language of Moshe Rabbeinu, God commanded us, commanded us all these commandments, as Hashem, so they should have reverence for Hashem. So this is achieved, what gives you Yerushalayim, what gives you a, a feeling of, of reverence for Hashem, is through, through learning Chassidus. So it's not just that Chassidus adds to the learning of Torah and doing mitzvahs, Chassidus adds further to the whole essence of what, what learning Torah and doing mitzvahs Brings you to to have reverence for Hashem, the Hashem's presence, Hashem's presence in your life. This directly gets to the to that core uh, feeling. Everyone agrees that Chassidus is part of Torah, and everyone agrees also that not just it's part of Torah, but that it is the inner part of it's innermost part of Torah, the base. And automatically, all those who learn the revealed parts of Torah and they don't want to learn, God forbid, the inner parts of Torah. So there's a very strong and sharp passage of the Zohar. That applies to them. The Zohar says that there are people who learn the stories of Torah and they learn them just as stories. And they don't think about the inner meaning of those stories. They think it just just a story. And further, and so the Zohar says that's that's wrong. You can't look at the stories of Torah just stories. They're, 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 they can't just look at the body of Torah and not think about the soul. And even more. The Zohar says there are three things that are bound with each other. As we went yesterday, the Torah, the Jewish people, and Hashem. And, and they're all, each of them has an exoteric and an esoteric, as a deep, as an inner layer and a, and a manifest layer. So it comes out that someone who makes a distinction between the inner and, their, and the external parts of Torah, it's like he's dividing between the inner and, and the exoteric, the, the manifest light of Hashem that is the source of creation, which it means he is not believing in the true oneness of Hashem. It's the opposite of the belief in the true oneness of Hashem, that, there, that there's, God forbid, that there's two different um, gods, that there's a higher part of God, a lower part of God. Has to show. 
There's only the way the Abishter contracted his light, but Hashem is everywhere. And there's a way Hashem's light is not contracted. But believing that there's a distinction, the separation, that's denying God's oneness. And automatically, according to the mimer of the previous Shev that was just printed that year, 1951, in some subtle form, that is idolatry. The truth is that a Jew is not able, is not in the realm of someone who could serve idolatry. It says in Tanya that faith in God is something that is that, that every Jew has perfectly. The only thing that can happen is that in Tanya, that a person could be so to sleep, so to sleep, I'm, not, I'm so tired, for bringing three nights in a row. A person could be, so to speak, in a state of sleep, and his muna doesn't have effect on his thoughts, speech, and action. As long as he hasn't come to a state of challenge, so his faith in Hashem remains dormant within him, and, and it's like sleeping. But, but it's there fully and perfectly. All that needs to happen is that that, that, that faith in Hashem has to be, you have to help him to reveal it, but he has it. Every Jew has that faith in Hashem. So when that faith in Hashem is revealed, that affects his thoughts and his words and his actions, and it causes the Jew to give his life for Hashem, even if someone would just say to him, hey, why don't you just bow down to this idol? You don't have to, and he knows himself, it's just an action, doesn't mean anything, yet the Jew, his belief in Hashem is so strong, he doesn't want even externally, even, even to pretend that he's believing in something else. That's how powerful his amun and every Jew's faith in Hashem is. They don't want to reject Hashem's, uh, Hashem, even externally. So to regarding what we're speaking about, we have, you have to explain and emphasize that we're talking about believing in Hashem. We're talking about Hashem Echad. And just like Hashem is one and the the what the Zohar calls the hidden, the hidden, hidden light of Hashem and the revealed part of Hashem, the revealed light of Hashem are all one. So too the revealed part of a Jew and the inner part of a Jew are also one. You can't make a distinction between the innermost part of a Jew and the way he, and the way he behaves. And so too in Torah, the inner part of Torah and the revealed parts of Torah are all one. You can't make a distinction between them. You can't separate between them. And when, when you are able to affect someone to, to, to accept this. What does it mean to affect them? To reveal their, their faith in Hashem. And their faith in Hashem should come to, to cause them to act in sync with their faith in Hashem, in their thoughts, in their speech, in their action. That they should go in the path of Chassidus. That means not only should they study Chassidus, but they should act in the ways of Chassidus. Especially the main thrust of the teachings of Chassidus which is to change the nature of our character and to be a Jew the way Jews meant to be. So, in short, what that saying is is that number one, those who oppose Chassidus, they they made a decree against learning Chassidus, and they the halacha is if you say a decree for a reason, the decree is nullified if the reason is nullified. And since not only is the decree nullified, but it's been exposed that their whole their, their whole reason was based on false testimony. It was based upon Machlekes. So, and they said, this is why I'm making the decree. So it comes out that the decree was never any, a decree in the first place. And so, it was basically saying that, just like in ourselves, we have to, um, we can't make a distinction, separation between our innermost self and our, and our behavior. We have to let our neshama shine in ourselves. So to, the way we, to help others as well, to help others learn chassidus and, 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 and reveal their faith in Hashem, in a way that they could, so that this will bring their, their behavior to be in sync with their innermost self. There are people who say, oh, the inner parts of Torah has to stay you know, hidden, and the outer parts of Torah we can learn. 
and they're just making a separation between them. So it's, it's equal to doing the same thing in yourself. Saying, oh, you know, I have a belief in Hashem, but that shouldn't affect the way I say a bracha. It shouldn't affect me when someone steps on my toes. It shouldn't affect me. Or don't, don't relegate your innermost self to staying innermost. The whole point of it is to take your faith in Hashem and let it shine into the way you act, the way you speak, the way you eat, the way you drink. So that's, that's what we're meant to do with chassidus. Chassidus is, is a power to reveal our innermost self. And it has to come to um, revelation in our behavior. Um, there is a, uh, another section of this for Wrangling. I'm trying to start it now. Hopefully, we'll see if we'll to finish it. Um, there is a uh, teaching of Rebbe Rashab, and he writes about the novel revelation of the Rebbe in Chesiz Chabad, and he writes, Rishimus Dvarim Ba'isis Machshava. I'm writing things in the language of thought. Not writing things in the language of writing. I'm writing things just in, in letters of thought. In the previous Rebbe's um, index on the discourses of, the, of his father, he writes that this discourse of that the, where the Rebbe Rashab was trying to explain the novelty of the Alt Rebbe, he writes the, that he had this, 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 this thought, this flow of thought that he put on paper, on Yitzh Kislev. That means it's not something he said, it's just something he wrote to himself, and he wrote a, a very short, it's very brief, and this is the language of the Rebbe Rashab. Said the Rebbe Rashab, these, these are letters of thought, so, so we're, going to, we're going to need to explain this as follows. Creation of the world for the sake, was for the sake of Torah. As the Talmud says, God created the world for the sake of Torah and for the Jewish people. What this means is that Hashem wants the Torah to be revealed in this world. And when He put Adam and even Ganadin, as the Torah says, to work in the garden and to guard the garden, the Talmud explains working in the garden means to keep the, Torah, the 248 positive commandments, and guarding the garden means to abstain from the 365 negative commandments. So it's known that before the sin of Adam and Eve, the world was in a very lofty level. As it says in the Talmud, the Shechina was here. And Ganadin was in this world. Ganadin is the spiritual part of the physical world. So, it was higher than the way the world is. And it's, it's possible that Ganadin hasn't changed through, this, through the sin, but the world has changed. The world has descended through the sin. As there is our rights. Um... So when we say the Shechina was here, where it was, it was in Ganeidin, there's this whole pilpul of where exactly the Shechina was, what was the world like, was it Ganeidin here? The Nebuchadnezzar continues, the Nebuchadnezzar Hashem continues. Hashem gave Adam and Eve the task of fulfilling Torah mitzvahs in heaven. That means that the Torah should be revealed in heaven. And that was, didn't happen. And then there was our forefathers, Avni, Yaakov, and they were tested, they were tested. And they had real sacrifice to pass their tests. And that prepared the world for the Torah. However, they still didn't get the full Torah. They didn't get the, didn't get the, 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 the Torah wasn't yet drawn, drawn down literally. Like it says in the Torah, um, Hashem says, I have not yet made known my name, Yudke Vavke. God told Moshe Rabbeinu, I appear to the Aves, I appear to our forefathers, but I have not yet let them know the name of Yudke Vavke. So although our forefathers 
um, prepare for the giving of the Torah, then you yet get the Torah. And then Hashem gave us the Torah. And in the Torah, He gave His essence. In the, for example, in the midst of Tefillin, there is the essence of Hashem. Yaakov did something with, with his staffs, when he peeled the staffs, and, and when he was mating, mating the sheep. So Yaakov did something spiritual with those staffs. But that didn't draw down the essence of God. But the film that were given to us in Torah, and the Torah that is in this physical world, this has God's essence. So the Baal Shem Tov's revelation was the revelation of the innermost part of the Torah. And this revelation was not in a way that came down to what wasn't clothed, meaning it wasn't, it wasn't dressed, meaning it wasn't yet something that the world was able to receive. It was, it was something very lofty, very above. But there was no revelation of the essence of, of the, there was no revelation of the essence of Torah. The essence of the innermost part of Torah. Um, the Mizitcha Magad, for example, when he would share teachings of, of Chassidus, he would say, come and hear the secrets of the Torah. So it wasn't something that which was, which was um, that manifest, you can understand, and it, was, it remained a secret even, even though he shared it. And the Alter Rebbe, he brought down Chassidus to understanding, and in this, bringing Chassidus to understanding, this he brings down, by doing this, he brought down the essence of Hashem, the essence of Hashem in the Torah. So the Rebbe comments and says, What's unique about what the Alter Rebbe, what the Baal Rebbe Hashem is saying? What's the point? That the Alter Rebbe's contribution with the teaching of Chassidus Chabad is that the innermost part of Torah comes into our logic and reason. We're able to understand it with our human mind. And although bringing things down to human mind is a very great descent, but by bringing it down to logic, you connect to God's essence. In other words, it's similar to giving the Torah. Once the Torah was, came to this physical world, we also, when it came down to the world, we also received in the mitzvahs that we do the essence of Hashem. Our tzvillin brings down the essence of Hashem. So to the Alter Rebbe, by bringing down the innermost part of the Torah into logic, he's, he also brought down the essence of Hashem. And through this, he fulfilled the intent of Hashem in creating the world. The, what, what Adam was supposed to do, and it didn't happen, and it was completed, and God gave us the Torah, so God's revelation at Sinai was regards to the revealed parts of Torah. And so too, through Chesiz Chabad, it brought down, it, it, Chabad brought down the essence of Hashem in the innermost parts of Torah. So, basically, we're learning till now that there's no distinction between the revealed parts of Torah and the innermost part of Torah. So just like when you're with, with the giving of the Torah Mount Sinai, we have the essence of Hashem in the physical mitzvahs that we do and in the Torah that we learn, so too by the innermost parts of Torah being brought down to logic, we have the essence of Hashem in our, our, in our study of Torah. Follow? So somehow, uh, it will seem to tomorrow, ironically, I bring it down lower, it connects to God's essence. The, the, the Alter Rebbe at first was uh, not so happy with one of his teachers, who, who he found out later was a, was a chassid of Baal Shem Tov. He was upset. How come he uh, didn't tell me about the Baal Shem Tov? Hmm. And then the Alter Rebbe learned about, about Hashem Elohim. Now Hashem Elohim hides Hashem's light. But on the other hand, through Hashem's light being hidden, that fulfills God's purpose in creation. And he felt better. He said, oh, this is... Seeing the Baal Shem Tov would have been revealing a higher revelation, it would seem... But it would you go away from the essence of Hashem and the purpose of creation. Bring it down to logic, it will bring next to the essence of Hashem. Okay, Hazak Abunuch.